0: The background reaches back to Acts chapter 3, uh, where Peter and John see a paralyzed man at the temple that they had seen every day, except this time they are filled with Jesus' spirit. And so they really see him and they really touch him and heal him and give him Jesus uh, such that uh, he leaps up with joy. But not everyone is happy. Uh, The religious mafia uh, come after Peter and John because they are upset about the way they are sharing uh, Jesus with their neighbors. They bring uh, Peter and John into a uh, court of sort and in the process they intimidate, bring intense intimidation down upon Peter and John. They actually intimidate them uh, with death itself, uh, that they'll be jailed and tortured and executed. Well, Peter and John leave that uh, court and they go back home and uh, share this news with the church that intimidation is promised against anyone who continues to share about Jesus. Well, what do you think the church did next? Well, they prayed and their prayer is preserved here in Acts chapter 4 and uh I'll begin reading at uh, verse 29, which is the end of their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From that time... Uh, From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the book of Acts is the story of the church that begins once upon a time. There was this church that pleased God. And the first four chapters of Acts tell us how that church pleased God. The Acts church pleased God. By what they did, but scripture makes it very clear that what they did came from their God pleasing attitudes. The Acts Church displayed attitudes that please God, starting with the attitude of tenacity. Don't you love this prayer? They have just been threatened with jail and torture and worse, and what's their response? It's to pray. But they don't pray, God, make it all stop. God, give us somewhere to hide. No, instead, they pray the opposite. In verse 29, they pray, Now, Lord, consider their threats, and now enable Your servants to speak Your Word with great boldness. Their prayer is, God, keep, help us keep doing more and more of what is getting us in trouble. They're saying, The opposite of fear. They're saying, God, help us to do even more, even more, with more boldness. Help us, God, to speak boldly and live boldly for you. Blackrock, I want to thank you for your attitude of tenacity. I shared with you a a couple of weeks ago how uh, in the early 20th century, uh, there were threatening voices... Uh, in our region, predicting that all people would, uh, all educated people would discard their belief in God and uh, in the Bible. But BlackRock stood alone, stood alone in this area, and with a tenacious attitude, clung on to the truth of God's Word. And God has blessed that tenacity such that. Uh, You know, in our state, there's only one church that is over 150 years old and has over 1,000 people in worship, and that's BlackRock. And in fact, throughout our entire nation, there are only a handful of churches like BlackRock that have over 150 years and over 1,000 people in worship. And maybe there's someone here who says, uh, there you go, BlackRock, thousands of people. See, it's all about numbers, God doesn't care about numbers. God isn't interested in numbers. God wants a church of quality, not quantity. Of course, God wants quality Christ followers. He wants a church of quality Christ followers. But it is wrong to say that God doesn't care about numbers. Would you please look at verse 4 in uh, Acts chapter 4, which says that the Acts church grew to 5,000. If you look back to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says that the church grew by a specific number, 3,000 people. They weren't bragging. Uh, they were celebrating God's embrace to people and the tenacious boldness of the church that was bringing people to God, God cares about numbers because numbers here mean people, and people matter to God. Uh, let's say that uh, uh, my wife and I go on vacation with our two kids, uh, but we come back from vacation with only one kid. And we say, "Well, we're not in the numbers." Uh, the important thing is that we have one quality kid. The Acts Church is not bragging by sharing these numbers. They are saying that people matter to God and that they're celebrating the tenacious boldness of reaching out to more and more people. So it is okay for BlackRock to celebrate that God is bringing more and more people to us. It's okay to celebrate the fact that it's not bragging that when we say that um, a few months ago we had... Over 50 people that we baptized here at Black Black Rock in one Sunday. It's okay. It's a result of our tenacious boldness to reach out with the gospel to our region. Uh, Another story of of the tenacious, uh, fearless, tenacious part of of Black Rock is how we came to this location. Uh, It's too long of a story to, uh, to share right now, but after being blocked... Uh, to expand in uh, Bridgeport, um, we decided to move to this location. And many people thought it was crazy to go out to this remote farmland in Fairfield. Uh, Next Sunday's in-gathering will be the next chapter in our fearless tenacity uh, here at Black Rock. When ten years ago... Uh, we approved by by congregational vote the understanding that God was leading us to uh, make more room for more people here at Black Rock. We had no idea how tenacious we would need to be. But after being tenacious through uh, neighborhood opposition, uh, through a grueling wetlands committee denial, uh, God blessed us in our tenacity with a miracle. When we came back with our lighthouse proposal... Um, It sailed through wetlands and zoning and traffic in record time and without a peep of opposition from our neighbors. It was a miracle, a miracle that was the result of our tenacity. But it's a miracle that has landed us in a place where we need another miracle because uh, we're in, in an economic climate of fear and uncertainty. And every voice in the world is saying, shrink back, pull back, don't go forward. But... And the leaders of this church, and I know that we're in a period of economic insecurity. But uh, when the pastors and the elders spent time praying and fasting and listening to God, we heard God say, don't listen to the threats. Be bold. Don't uh, don't follow forecasts. Don't follow fear. Follow me. And so uh, this church uh, approved that. Going forward by a congregational vote, and I want to thank you, BlackRock, for your fearless tenacity as we go into our end gathering uh, next Sunday. And apply this God pleasing attitude uh, to your own life, um, because there are threatening voices all around you in your life. Would you just pray for every threatening event in your life, the Acts Prayer? Uh, God, uh, consider this threat and enable me, your servant, to speak boldly and live boldly and follow you and not fear. The first God pleasing attitude of Acts, the Acts Church is fearless tenacity. The second is the attitude of unity. Look at uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. The Acts Church had spiritual energy because they had spiritual unity. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed a prayer for the church. In John chapter 17, verse 23, Jesus says, Father, may they be brought to complete unity that the world may know that you sent me. Unity is Jesus' prayer for the church because we shine for Jesus when we are united. But we don't when we are divided. So Blackrock, God is calling Us to be one in heart and mind. Because Jesus says, this is how we shine in this dark world. A researcher named uh, George Barnum studied every state in our nation uh, and ranked every state in the nation according to the per capita percentage of Christ followers in that state. He ranked all those states. And you know which state was the absolute lowest in per capita percentage of Christ followers? Connecticut. And we were last by a long shot. You see, we're in a pretty dark part of the world. But you know the great part of being a church in the dark part of the world? Is that when we shine, it really makes an impact. And I'd like to thank you, BlackRock. Thank you, BlackRock, for protecting and maintaining and growing our unity as a church. Today, we come to the end of a series that I've been calling uh, Once Upon a Time, There Was This Church. And this series has had one theme and one goal. And that purpose was to tighten our cords of unity as a church. I know some of you thought that the theme of this series was giving money to the Lighthouse Project. I understand that. But the real theme was what unifies us as a church. I shared from the book of Acts how uh, we are unified around a a commitment to the word of God. And and we've proven that we're going to keep that commitment uh, no matter what other churches do. From Acts, I shared how we're unified around a biblical understanding of the church. How we understand that Black Rock Church is not a place. We are a people who show commitment to Jesus by showing a commitment to love each other. From Acts, I shared how we are unified as believers who have been, um, according to the words of Acts and Peter, cut to the heart by the love of Jesus on the cross. We're unified by the infilling of God's Spirit that makes us brothers and sisters, makes us sons and daughters uh, who are uh, filled with God's Spirit with dreams and visions. And what really sets this church apart are the lay people, the quality of the lay people who give themselves and their resources to God's purpose. And that's why this Lighthouse Project is not my project. It's our project. It's our pleasing God. And I shared from Axel, uh, we are unified around a mission to bring the, the love of Jesus to uh, those who have not heard, including Brazilian tribes who don't even have a word in their vocabulary for forgiveness. But when the, the transforming love of Jesus comes to them, they are filled with God's grace and their lives are changed. And how we bring uh, to the center of urban Bridgeport God's love through urban impact. And then last week I shared how uh, in Acts our, our mission is brought forth in bold. That Jesus wants us to bring his love to our neighbors. And how we have to see them. Not walk by them spiritually. But to really care about our neighbors enough to give them Jesus. Jesus. And this is our mission. And this is what unifies us as a church. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. That's a simple phrase, but unity is not easy. It takes work. It takes humble attitudes. And I want to thank you for doing that hard work of unity. And as one, we will shine with Jesus and we will bring so many of our neighbors to, to Jesus that will spark a spiritual awakening that will ripple out from our region to our state to our nation because it would be just like God to pour out an awakening, spiritual awakening blessing to the whole nation from a church in the state that has the lowest per capita percentage of Christ followers. Because, you now not only does our region uh, have... The most lost people uh, in our nation. Our region also has some of the most influential people in the world. Our neighbors are people who have influence over uh, the worldwide media, over wor- worldwide finances, and over worldwide trend setting. And when we bring our neighbors to Jesus, it will have a worldwide impact. That's our vision. And it all begins as we shine by adopting the God-pleasing attitude of unity. The last God-pleasing attitude uh, modeled by the Acts Church is the attitude of generosity. Here again in verse 32. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. The Acts Church was made up of people who gave generously so that there were no needy persons among them. And you know what? Uh, We do the same thing here at BlackRock. Through our deacon's fund, we make sure, to the tune of over $10,000 a month, we make sure that not one BlackRock attender goes hungry or homeless or without health care. And so, you know, when it comes to our... Uh, in gathering, we're not asking the poor widow who doesn't have money to feed herself or heat her home to give to God's work in the church. No, all needy persons should be receiving from this church, and they are. And if you want to read more about the deacon's uh, work, you can look in the back of your bulletin, which is uh, describing it there. But the big takeaway. From the book of Acts and this Acts model is that God is calling each and every one of us to adopt a God-pleasing attitude of sacrificial generosity. The Acts believers didn't give leftovers. Each person put everything on the table. And gave sacrificially to God by giving sacrificially to the church. They gave land and property, which would be the equivalent uh, today of giving away their savings and their investments and their security assets. Do you have this attitude? Do you have this generous attitude that you desire to give sacrificially to God by giving sacrificially to the church? Sometimes... We can't see our own selfish attitudes. Sometimes we can only see selfish attitudes in others. Uh, For instance, you know, uh, our Lighthouse Project has been something that's involved the whole church family. And so uh, we've given our youngest ones, our preschool and elementary kids, the opportunity to give to the Lighthouse Project. And what if uh, your preschoolers said, well, the people at church say that uh, I can give to uh, the new building, but... I'm not going to give anything. Uh, It's my money. And I've got plans for it. And mom and dad, you don't give me enough money. I can't afford to uh, give it away to the church. Besides, they're not going to miss me. There's lots of other kids. Let them give. If you heard that, you'd say, Hey, what kind of an attitude is that? Don't you understand how that attitude shows? How you're selfish inside and uh, you're ungrateful? it's, It's so easy sometimes for me to see a selfish attitude in someone else and be blind to it myself. But here's the good news. Um, Your kids are extremely generous uh, and have a God-pleasing attitude of generosity. Uh, About a month ago, our preschool and elementary kids broke their piggy banks, and uh, they brought uh, these gifts so that other kids uh, could learn more about Jesus and make room for more kids here at Blackrock, And uh, we had to, uh, uh, to stop it about a month ago, but they didn't stop. They just kept on bringing more and more, and they've already given over $1,300, uh, all in nickels and dimes and quarters. And then there's our senior high students. Um, our senior high students had their in-gathering uh, last week, and nobody asked them to do this. This was just their idea. Uh, they chose to give six-month pledges. Um, and, you know, the students don't have a lot of money, so uh, the students, uh, they, they got extra babysitting work. They got some odd jobs and found other ways to s- raise money, like uh, selling their parents' stuff on eBay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, the students... Uh, Put their own possessions on eBay, and they uh, asked their families to donate uh, the value of their Christmas presents to the Lighthouse Project. And, you know, last week they had their in-gathering. And with weeping joy, our students uh, announced that they had raised $11,000. Yeah. is that great? to make more room for students like themselves here at BlackRock so they could hear about Jesus like they had. We celebrate the generosity of our students because it shows a God-pleasing attitude. And friends, we need to at least match this generosity in our in-gathering, the generosity of our kids, and I pray that we go beyond. And in our in-gathering, we really model what it means to be sacrificial givers who respond to the sacrificial gift Of God to us. And Acts explains how I become a person who pleases God with an attitude of generosity. Uh, The answer is in these words in verse 33. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that they gave and gave and gave. The secret to being a person who is filled with the God-pleasing attitude of generosity is the personal experience of God's grace. The more I receive God's grace, the more I want to give back to God by giving to His church. When I truly experience the wonder that God loves me and sacrificed Himself upon the cross... I want to give back a sacrificial gift to God. And that's what our in-gathering pledges are. It's simply a way for us in worship to say, God, in view of the sacrificial gift that you've given to me, receive now my gift of sacrifice and thank offering to you. And the truth is, the only people who will give to this Lighthouse Project are grace people. People who have been touched by God's grace. Think about it. The Lighthouse Project is about giving away hard-earned resources so that we can go through a transition period with all those inconveniences so that in the end I can make more room for people who are far away from God and are probably the very people who are nasty to me on the Merritt Parkway and steal my parking lot space at the grocery store. Who would do that? Who would give sacrificially so that they can be inconvenienced and go through the discomfort and the messiness of dealing with people who are far from God? Who would do this? Only grace people. Who would do this? Only those who have seen their reflection in the eyes of Jesus as He hangs upon the cross for them. Only people who have received God's grace that transforms them from lost people into loved people, from prisoners of sin to children of God, from those who are heading for the loneliness of hell to those who are heading for eternal joy in a relationship with God. I'm one of those grace people. And I can't wait to present my sacrificial gift to God and then see how God uses that sacrificial gift to bring other grace people forward to him that they might also participate and unite with our vision to make a worldwide impact from this little church in Connecticut. And I just pray that you see it, that you see how God's grace is operating here at Black Rock and changing people and changing the world one person at a time. And that's why we show you every once in a while uh, these stories, life stories of People who have been changed here at BlackRock, like this one.
1: We had a, a very difficult marriage early on. Um, we were separated, um, and people who are close to you, friends, people that you really trust and, and, and you know, friends, family, people telling you, just g- get divorced. It's you, we hadn't even been married six months yet. Just get divorced. It's a blip on the radar. Kids no kids, yeah. no house, no pets, no nothing. You know, it's, this is simple. Just, you know, do
0: it over. Do, yeah, do it over. It was yeah. like, it,
1: it won't, it, like it never even happened.
0: I moved down to Connecticut to be with him and try and work things out, and during our separation, I became saved and accepted the Lord, so I immediately started looking for a Bible-believing church here in Fairfield or somewhere close by, and that's how I found
1: BlackRock. You know, when my wife accepted the Lord, um, I saw absolute transformation in, in her, and it it drew me closer to her and it drew me closer to the Lord but I still didn't know what that I I still didn't know what that meant I I still didn't know how to live that out Um, and coming to Black Rock and getting connected um, having friendship and fellowship joining a small group going like she said going on men's retreats finding places to serve um, you know I'm starting to really understand what what God's will is for me you know and and I and I want to follow that but I need a church I need um, I need Black Rock um, I to to live that out I
0: don't know where it would be if I didn't have people praying for us even when Joe wasn't participating in church activities with me uh, and if I wasn't attending things like the love and respect class uh, even though I went to it on my own at that time I needed the church. I needed to go somewhere where people believed in our marriage, even though the world thought, you know, we were heading towards a divorce.
1: You know, if there are other people out there who are in our shoes, who need, a, you know, a church family, and everybody does, you know, everybody does, whether they know they do or they don't, they 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 need it. Um, and this church can open its doors to more people, people like ourselves, and they can come in and feel like. You know, the, the, there is room for me. You know, even though we're we're bringing more people in, um, there is room for me. There is a place for me here, and they can start uh, getting connected in this church um, with all the different things that this church offers. Um, but more, the most important part is just the people, right? The people that this church has. I mean, that's why I believe in this project because um, it's about impacting lives. It's about um, sharing God's love with more people you, you can't put that's, that's what it's all about there, this is definitely a place undoubtedly when you walk in it like, God is at work here and God is moving through people in so many different ways here um, and it's from all cross sections of life the people that come here but um, this is definitely a place of God
0: So, once upon a time, there was this church that pleased God with their attitudes of tenacity and unity and generosity. And now it's our turn uh, to write a page in that story. And uh, sometimes when I read scripture, I, I say, what would it be like if I was in the story? What would I do? Would I be one of those people who uh, really trusted God? Or would I be one of those who who doubted? You know, uh, how Moses uh, led the the people out of Egypt. And then God brought his people to the Red Sea. And the people realized that they were trapped uh, between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And uh, most of the people yelled out to God, What have you done to us? What have you done? Why have you led us here? At this time, this place. And I wonder what I would be like in that moment. I wonder, would I be one of those who, who doubted? Or would I be one of those who uh, put my feet at the very edge of that Red Sea, just ready to see what God was going to do? And be the, I wanted to be the first one to be into that water if God was to part the, the waves. Well, uh, we are in the story. This is our story. This is God's moment for us in His story. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be that person who is, has his feet right there on the water, ready for God to do something great and trusting Him for that. Would you please stand now as we close? Oh, God, we know that attitude means everything to you. So, Lord, as we come to this uh, very important spot and very important moment in uh, our history as a church, we just want to uh, ask that you would give us uh, the kinds of attitudes that uh, would truly please you. And, Lord, we want it to be said of us that once upon a time there was this church that really sought to please God. May that be said of us, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks. See you next week.